Hello everyone. Thank you so much for being here and choosing to listen to this episode. Uh, You noticed no intro or anything like that. I promised you all a short series of podcast episodes, a few little mini episodes for you um, to finish off April, which is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Um, If you don't know, if you didn't listen to my early on episode of um, kind of my background, the Meet Rachel Main episode, then you might not know that I actually have a background in domestic and sexual violence. I used to work at an agency called First Step, which is located here in Wayne, Michigan. Definitely check out their website if you haven't yet, especially if you're in the Michigan area. Their website is First Step dash mi.org. I'll make sure to link that in the show notes here, of course. And this was, this was a job that has, it will always, always, always have a place near and dear to my heart. I was a sexual assault survivors advocate for First Step here for a short while. And I got to have the honor of meeting victims and survivors of sexual assault at the hospitals, at the police stations immediately after their attack had happened, and be somebody that advocated for them on behalf of what options they had available to them, wasn't pushing any any other agenda other than what that person fully wanted for themselves and their journey after experiencing something like this. And in working in this profession, I, I like I said, this will always, always, always have a special place in my heart. And for anybody that's listening to this episode, I, of course, want to start this with a, a trigger warning and just know that if you are somebody that has withgone a incident of sexual assault, rape, incest, anything of that nature, definitely take a moment to be sure that you feel like you're in a safe, grounded place right now um, to be able to continue listening further to this episode. So as you saw from the title, today's topic, um, I guess in this very mini short series, is going to be about consent. And consent, of course, has legal definitions uh, based on your location and circumstances, um, but the general concept of what consent is always, always going to be the same, right? Consent is yes. Consent is you saying yes, and that is pretty much it, okay? And consent is, is an ongoing process. And it's something that happens for you to be able to discuss your boundaries and what things you are comfortable with, all right? Now, I want to get into what, you know, what this really looks like in real life, right? So generally, consent is an agreement between the participants that are engaging in any sort of sexual activity. And this should be something that is communicated, open, and and very, very clearly. Um, Something that is able to be said without any sort of pressure or without any hesitation or anything like that. This can be a verbal and affirmative expression of consent and this is to help both you and your partner really understand each other and also respect each other's boundaries all right here's another thing and this was always very interesting when working in the agency when working with first step because a lot of times we would have people that would come in at very young ages thinking that they were able to consent but the fact of the reality is is that individuals cannot legally consent if they are underage if they are intoxicated, um, under and that's under drugs or alcohol, or if they are asleep or unconscious. Let, let me just say that again. 
Consent cannot be given by individuals who are underage, intoxicated or incapacitated by drugs or alcohol, or asleep or unconscious. Okay? If someone agrees to any sort of, of activity that is that is done under the pressure of intimidation or threat, that also isn't considered consent because the consent was not given freely. All right, unequal power dynamics such as engaging in sexual activity with an employee or a student also mean that consent cannot be given freely. So one thing that you want to remember when it comes to consent, again, is consent is very much about communication. It should ideally happen any and every time sexual activity is occurring, all right? Consenting to one activity one time does not necessarily mean that, that, that you're giving consent for every activity that's going to happen that's similar to that, that that's going to happen after that. It, again, should be something that is constantly talked about between you and your partner, and, you know, to give an example, right, agreeing to kiss somebody doesn't give that person permission to then start removing your clothes. Having sex with somebody in the past doesn't necessarily give you permission that you want to have sex with them again in the future. And, and I cannot stress this enough. It's so important that we discuss these boundaries and expectations with our partners prior to engaging in the sexual behavior, Right, so having these consensual conversations before perhaps even getting into the bedroom, before even leaving that restaurant, before getting in the car to head home. These things can happen inside and outside the bedroom and they can also be things that are happening during the sexual activity as things continue to progress. And I want you to know that you can change your mind at any fucking time. Any time. If there is a moment where you feel uncomfortable, if there is a moment where you get this pit in your stomach, you feel like something is off, something is making you hurt or you're feeling some sort of pain or you're feeling some sort of discomfort, you can withdraw consent at any point. Any point. One way to do this is by clearly communicating to your partner that you are no longer comfortable with what is happening and that you would like for it to stop. And I get it, withdrawing consent can sometimes be very challenging or difficult to do verbally. So nonverbal cues can also be used to convey this. And the best way to ensure that all parties are comfortable with any sexual activity, again, is to talk about it. And like I said, do these periodically periodic checks throughout the sexual activity so that you can make sure that both or all parties that are involved understand consent and understand that what is happening is consensual amongst both people. All right. So there is this newer talk about something called enthusiastic consent and enthusiastic consent. It's a, it's a newer model for understanding consent and it focuses on the positive expression of consent. Okay. Simply put, enthusiastic consent means looking for the presence of a yes rather than the absence of a no. And enthusiastic consent can be expressed verbally or through nonverbal cues such as body language like smiling, maintaining contact, and nodding. 
Uh, these clues alone do not necessarily represent consent, but they are additional details that may reflect consent. And it's necessary, again, to still seek that verbal communication. That important part of consent, enthusiastic or otherwise, is checking in with your partner regularly to make sure that, again, everybody is still on the same page. Okay, so enthusiastic consent can look like a few of these things here. Asking permission before you change the type or degree of sexual activity with phrase like, is this okay? Is this still okay? Would it be okay? Right, these sorts of phrases. Confirming that there is reciprocal interest before initiating any sort of physical touch. Letting your partner know that you can stop at any time. Periodically checking in again, hey, is this still okay? Providing positive feedback when you're comfortable with any activity is always good and explicitly agreeing to certain activities either by saying yes or another affirmative statement like I'm open to trying, right? I'm open to trying leaves that door again insinuating to the person that's on the other end hearing this that they should still be doing periodic checks with you because again, You might be open to trying something, but if at any point you are no longer open to trying those things, you have permission to say no, to say stop. And then lastly, using physical cues to let the other person know that you're comfortable taking things to the next level. And I need to say this, and I need to say this very clearly, because this is often some things that are are brought up into court. This is often things that you hear from assailants um, on the other end, the person that is perpetrating the rape or perpetrating the sexual assault. They don't understand the physical reactions that our bodies make, the physiological responses that our bodies make. So something like an erection, something like lubrication, arousal, or even orgasm, um, involuntary orgasms, it's so important for us to know that your body may be reacting one way even if you are not consenting to the activity. And again, sometimes perpetrators are going to use this that they felt like the physiological response that somebody was that somebody was displaying was giving that form of consent. And this 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 is so 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 important for everybody to know you guys because this oftentimes minimizes a survivor's experience by using, they they use these phrases like, you know you liked it, you know you enjoyed that, you know you wanted that. And in no way does a response like this mean that you consented to what happened to you. And if you have ever been sexually abused or sexually assaulted, sexually molested, raped, it is not your fault. It is not your fault. All right, and then of course, ending this episode on consent with what does consent not look like? Refusing to acknowledge the word no. A partner who is disengaged, non-responsive, or visibly upset. Assuming that wearing certain clothes, flirting, or kissing, or anything of that nature is an invitation for anything more. 
Again, someone being under the legal age of consent, as defined by their state, cannot consent to sex. Someone being incapacitated because of drugs or alcohol, pressuring someone into sexual activity by using fear or intimidation, and then assuming that you have permission to engage in a sexual act because you've done it before in the past. And I want to end end this episode with saying that again if you have experienced any form of sexual assault or sexual violence you are not alone and if you need to speak with someone the national sexual assault hotline is 1-800-656-4673 this episode was taken directly from rain.org r-a-i-n-n dot o-r-g And you can chat with a professional at any time at online.rainn.org. Thank you for listening to this episode today. And if there is any podcast episode that you are going to share, I ask that you share these episodes that you're going to see popping up throughout this week. These mini episodes that are going to highlight the important need to know things for Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Thank you guys.